Well, I'm really excited to uh, introduce to you a new series that we're going to be going through for the next month. And uh, it's called Ripple Effect. And the idea is that we're always sowing seeds. You're always letting something little into your life, into your heart, mind, soul. There's always something being sown into your life and your lifestyle. Faith, hope, love, and joy are the places where the believer is called to dwell. And we have a choice. We, we can sow seeds of faith or doubt. We can sow seeds of, 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 of hope or despair, seeds of love or bitterness, seeds of joy or anxiety. And so there's a ripple effect. There are small seeds that we sow, like, like yeast. Jesus uses the the image of yeast, just a little bit of yeast, in positive and in negative ways. Sometimes yeast is, is like the spirit that makes its way all the way in and through your life. And sometimes a seed is just like a bad habit or a, 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 a bit of evil that begins to make its way into your lifestyle. And the idea here, of course, is that small things become great. Nobody sets out to do something horrible, but they make small little compromises along the way. Or, or they sow little teeny seeds that begin to germinate and bear fruit. You know, faith, hope, love, and joy are the fruit of good seed. And they have a ripple effect in your life and into the lives of the people around us. And so let's take a look today at the seed of faith of Abraham, the father of nations. From the word of God, Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by words, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now let me pause there. Maybe your, maybe your translation says reckoned. And the, the thought there is that you have been credited. You've been given full credit. Abraham was given full credit of righteousness for a little bit of belief. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. So he works and he gets paid, right? And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteous apart from works. And he's quoting now. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man uh, against whom the Lord will not count his sin. And then down to verse 13. For the promise of Abraham and his offspring, the promise to him is that he would be the heir of the world 
he would be heir of the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Not through the law, not through works, but through a little bit of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Let's pray together. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mark Twain said, I could live for two months off one good compliment. I could live for two months off of one good compliment. It's true, isn't it? When somebody gives you a genuine compliment, that sincerely is directed at something that you know is true about you. Isn't that a huge encouragement? It's amazing how small things can be big. They can become big. The question today is how can a little faith, how can a little faith become something so great that we orient all of our lives around it? How can something so small like faith become a big influence in your life and in the lives of people around you. Something just so small, just like Abraham believed God. You believing, taking a step of faith. How can that become such a big influence? And today, let's, let's take a look at, at two ways. Now, when I say how, that's a trigger, right? I'll usually say how or I'll say why. And when I say how, that means there's something that you can do. There are a couple of things that you can do. You, you need to recognize, we need to recognize that, that, that faith is a small step every time, not just initially, but in the way you're called. You're going to be called into faith this week. It's, it begins small. It starts small, but God assists. That's the first thing. The second is that it needs to be nurtured. So let's take a look at Abraham's faith, how Abraham's faith started small, but God assisted, and how he nurtured that faith. First, faith starts small but God assists. Faith starts small, but God assists. It's just as simple as this. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What does that look like in everyday life? What does it look like to take steps of faith then? If this is a how kind of sermon, what what is it that you need to do? Let me, let me tell you a little story about this that I think is going to frame things up for us today. And it comes from about a decade ago in the Ukraine. The ruling party was in control of the media. So they had a state-run media. And uh, they were up for a, an election cycle. And a guy named Viktor Yuchenko had put his name in the hat to become president, the next president of the Ukraine. But he had a fierce battle ahead of him because the incumbent had been in office for a long, long time and was controlling everything, the military and, again, the media. 
He was beaten up. His face bore the scars of, of uh, the beating that he took just for putting his name in the hat. He was threatened, and yet he persevered. On the, day, on, the, on the day of the election, he was ahead in the polls, and most people knew that. But on the night of the election, the, the ruling party took over the news outlets and began to write the script. They began to, uh, to tell the teleprompter what to say. And even though Viktor Yuchenko was the one who was supposed to have won, what was announced was that the ruling party's candidate had won. So the big screen was saying that the ruling party had won, but down in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, there was, there was someone named Natalia Dimitrich who was signing. She was signing for people who were deaf. And she watched what was going on and she knew that the information was incorrect. And she refused to knuckle under. And she signed out to all the deaf community watching. They are trying to throw the election. And I am ashamed to translate what they're telling me Victor Yuchenko is our new president. So she signed out what actually happened while the big screen was saying something else. And you know what happened? It's called the Orange Revolution. Everybody began to wear orange, and a movement in, across the, the state, uh, the, the nation of Ukraine began to, they began to rise up. They, they, they tweeted out everywhere. They were, social media went, went crazy with all of of this information that came from this little window. And I want to ask you this morning, which screen are you buying into today? Have you ever bought into the big screen when you knew the little screen was telling the truth? And where are you investing? Are you planting seeds? The, the, maybe the, maybe the, the fashionable perspective on something or the fashionable position on something is playing on the big screen and getting all the likes. But you know that the truth is being is something smaller. It's being said in a still, small voice. How, how many of you in, in the past have, have succumbed to some trend that you knew just wasn't a good idea. I mean, guys, let, let me, looking around the room, like, how many of you guys had a mullet? I mean, seriously, I mean, I'd like to see, I'd like to see your driver's license from when you were maybe a teenager, some of you guys. I remember when I was in uh, eighth grade, I had a couple of, uh, couple of teachers who were hippies back in the day, and uh, they had kept their driver's license and showed me you know, to prove it. I was a real live, genuine hippie. I was like, yeah, good for you. Keep it real. How many of you ever succumbed to some kind of trend? I love that uh, Max Lucado story. We read it to our kids when they were young. They don't remember, uh, along with all the other things we've done for them. But So <laughs> they're here this morning. It's good to have them back. 
from college. Um, they forget most of those things. But we used to read these Max Lucado uh, books, and one of, them, um, one of them was the one where the, the, the trend was the green nose, right? Have you all read this one? The green nose, and then the nose changed to yellow and changed to purple, and people are constantly chasing after the next big thing. I kind of picture, I kind of imagine uh, Abraham, Abram at the time, before he was called the father of nations. He was just Abram. And I, I, I picture, here's this 75-year-old man being told something in the little screen. He's going to be the father of nations. I mean, walking around almost as a joke, he's 75 years old. He doesn't have a single son. He, he thinks that he's going to, his heir is going to be somebody who's just working for him in his household. He's being told that he's being given uh, the land of the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Hittites and a bunch of other ites, and they're all walking around, and, and, and they're the ruling power. They're the ones who are on playing out uh, the culture on the big screen, and he, he's being told something on the little screen. How, how are you in your day, in your week today, how are you being called up to tweet out something different? to bear out something that's being said on the little screen, to take some little step of faith, to live in such a way that may not always be the fashionable thing. It may not be exactly what everybody is saying is new and true. Have you ever heard that? The new is the true? That's often how we lemmings frame up What's the latest and the greatest? The new is the true. And we hear so many things on the big screen these days that we know there, there's something itching at us. There's something, there's something true about it. Maybe there's some sort of course correction or some, some part of what's playing out on the big screen that may be confronting some excesses of the past or whatever it may be. You can fill in the blanks. You've got your own examples. There are a dozen of them we could cite today. But meanwhile, you realize that it's going too far, and there's, there's this, this little reminder in the lower right-hand corner that something false is being propagated, and you're being called into faith. You're being called to believe. You see, God always assists. What happened in the Orange Revolution in the Ukraine is that here is the truth the truth in the lower right-hand corner, and it gets legs. You know, someone said that, uh, that, the, that a lie makes it halfway around the world before the truth gets its pants on in the morning, right? But truth goes the distance. It goes the distance. And where we're being called to live is to live by faith. And that, there are times when that's really hard. But we're being called to live there because it, it sows a seed. And, and all God is asking for us is just to believe, take a step of faith, just a little step. Just simply to, to yield. And then what happens is he assists. It happens every time. 
It happens every time. When, when you take, and you know what it is, what's going on in your life in particular, and you know that you've been holding back or you've been, you've been sort of fudging or you've been cutting corners or whatever it is, and, and you're, you're being asked to take a step to trust God in some clear way in your life. And what will happen? Will God come through for you? And the promise to Abraham is the promise to us. It's a promise that says that, that the, Lord, the Lord is the one who faces the giants on our behalf. He's the one. He's the one that assists when we take that step. And not only for you, not only for you. I mean, the, some of y'all were here last week and you saw the students present. And, uh, and, and, and many of you, I, I wonder if, if uh, you, know, you saw Melanie and, and, and Katie and Maya present, and maybe you were touched by what they, they, they said, and you wondered to yourself, maybe you wondered, I wonder how long it took them to put those talks together, and I'll tell you how long it took them. You know how long it took them to put those talks together? I know exactly how long. 18 years. 18 years of small seeds being sown into their lives by people in this room. 18 years of people recognizing that little marks of faith, little seeds of faith can become like a yeast that works its way in and through. You know, here we are in, in a lot of ways where we're, we're kind of tucking in the year. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a good year. We usually think of the, the year here uh, starting in August, and it culminates in mission trips in the summer. But uh, many of us are thinking about the fall, and we're thinking about who's going to teach that class those, of those, th- those three-year-olds, and who's going to be, who, who's going to stand with Bob, uh, who's been teaching Bob Maxwell, who's been teaching, is it fourth graders or fifth graders? For 35 years, 35 years. Bob, are you in the room? Uh, A couple of months ago, I walked out of this door here, and I saw Bob going up the stairs. It was kind of a, a big moment for me. It was just a small, one of those small, Big moments where you see little seeds being sown into lives of kids here who one day will sit up here or be on the chancel in the sanctuary giving their testimony about how something small became big. Where are you being asked to take a step of faith? Whether it's in this place in the coming fall, the next ministry season, or is it this week in your work in that difficult relationship to trust that God always assists when we trust in him. That's the first thing. It starts small. Faith starts small. But it must be nurtured. You see, Abraham started small, but he also nurtured this precious gift of faith, this yeast 
I used to have sourdough starter when I was a, in, uh, in college. I loved having stuff. The, the reason why, and I maintained it for several years. I mean, it's ridiculous. You got to feed this thing every week. You know, you got to dump a couple of, you know, uh, of, uh, you know uh, cups of flour in every week. You have to keep up with it. But I was motivated by sourdough pancakes, which are the best. I mean, they're the best. They're really tangy. I miss those because I gave it up. But you have to feed it. You have to feed this. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and the, the, new, the new raw material of flour begins to, to have that, that, that fermenting process work its way in and through. And then it becomes enough. And then you've got enough for sourdough pancakes. It has to be nurtured. It has to be fed. How are you feeding your faith you know, it's it's a little bit like it's a little bit like what, what happens with Abraham here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how Romans eight ties into uh, Genesis fifteen in just a second, because because here is Abraham who takes a step of faith. He takes a step of faith, and yet uh, in in Genesis fifteen, which is being quoted in Romans eight, just a few verses later, he asks God a question. He questions the very faith he had just taken a step in. And it it makes me think of of the faith of a couple standing up, one in a long, beautiful white dress and the other one buttoned up in a tux, and they're facing each other, and they've got everything figured out, right? (laughs) The older people are laughing. Why? Why are you laughing? They have a few things figured out. They have a few things figured out. Not everything figured out. But they have a few things figured out, enough to say, you know, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, and we're going to take this step of faith. But it has to be nurtured. It has to be nurtured. And just like every relationship, your relationship with God is, picture it like that. You know, you, you get married, and, and, and the longer you 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 walk together with somebody, the more that they get to know you, the more you share, the more transparent you are, and the more you understand each other, the more you have to work through things. That's exactly what's happening here in Genesis 15. He's working out that relationship. Some of you maybe take issue with the idea that there are disciplines in the spiritual life, that that somehow makes faith cold. Well, think of it like that. I mean, Beth and I have a date night. We haven't taken it in a while, but we, I'll make up for that. But, we, but, but, but if you put a date night on, like Thursday nights is your date, like say Thursday night is a date night, is that, just, is that just like doing yard work? Of course not. It's fun. It's great. That's an analogy to the idea of having a regular quiet time, having regular prayer time. You can't have quality time with God unless you you have some measure of quantity time with him. Unless there's some regular appointment that you have with him. Then you're not going to get to know him and and you're not going to be able to voice those concerns. And then something's going to happen and it's going to be bad and you're going to say, where is he in the middle of all this? Because you haven't nurtured Your faith. You haven't nurtured it. Genesis 15. You'll you'll see the whole passage up here, but I'm just going to read to you this part. He says, 
And, and this is the quoted part from Romans 8. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness, credited it to him as righteousness. And then just the very next verse, it says, But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? That is the land. You see, so, so, so Abraham is believing God in terms of the far away, the big picture promise, I'll make you the father of nations. And he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to believe you. I'm just, I'm going to believe you. But then he says, I, I'm going to give you this land right in front of you. And he's looking around, and he's seeing the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. And he begins to doubt. You know, picture Peter, he steps out on the water, right? And then he begins to doubt. He looks down and he begins to sink. He's trusting God with tomorrow. Well, that's easy. Pie in the sky, by sure, God can do it someday. But today, today, I'm going to begin to give you this land. And he begins to doubt. It's just like us. Faith must be nurtured. The things that we doubt, the things that, that, that bother us, that, that, uh, that, that kind of uh, tickle at us in, in the back of our mind, we need to be able to work those things out, voice them. Maybe, maybe you've kept, kept a journal. Have you ever kept a journal? Put it alongside your Bible and, and write those questions out and see how uh, season to season God begins to sow that seed of faith where, where that's, that's an important question to you, but it, it no longer defines your life. It no longer defines you or trips you up because faith has grown. And, and the way that the ripple effect works then in this case, not just planting seeds uh, in someone's life, but even helping them see how faith works itself out into life it's just like if you're married, you know, back to the marriage anal- analogy. What if, you, what if you were married and you worked somewhere for five or ten years and nobody knew you were married? Can you imagine that? What if all the people, the friends in your life had no idea that, that you had a spouse? You see, what, what faith working itself out as a ripple effect into your sphere of influence, your friends, your, your workers, it, it's a natural thing. It's just something that you share. You just share it naturally. This is what, what God is doing in your life today. Not this is what happened once upon a time or you have to do some big dramatic uh, story or something like that. It's just how, is it, I, I think of, for example, I think of the way a friend of mine who was, uh, who was a mentor to me at one time I remember him sharing with me how he had to forgive somebody. And it was a terrible injustice that he had to face. A terrible injustice. And I thought, how do you forgive somebody for that? That's terrible. This guy, uh, some people turned against him. He lost his job. He had to, he had to move. It was, it was awful. And yet I watched him and he shared with me how, how he was forgiving the people who were so wrong. Malicious. And, and I watched him. He was, just, he was just sharing his life. He was just sharing how God was helping him forgive. You see, a lot of times we have to believe, we have to nurture faith, and you think, Lord, I'm supposed to forgive these people? Really? 
I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, maybe someday I'll forgive him, but I, I mean, how am I supposed to do it today? Yeah, you have to take a step today. You have, to, you have to feed the starter. You have to feed the yeast. You have to feed it, right? Today, you have to do something. You have to nurture it. What am I supposed to do today? I mean, how am I supposed to do it today? I mean, now, this is painful. This is a horrible situation. You, you're asking me to trust you that I'm supposed to forgive these people? Really? Yes. And then you begin to apply it. And then you see how something that's happening in the little screen, you think the big screen is the thing. I, I need to hate these people. I need to retaliate against these people. I need to, I need to write all kinds of emails against these people. I need, to, I need to let people know how horrible they are. But something's happening in the little corner. It's saying, forgive, forgive. Apply, just believe. Nurture this faith. And then you begin to see that God is doing something in your life. And, and you begin to see how applying it then, out of belief, you begin to see the fruit of it. And you begin to experience a freedom and a growth in your heart and mind and soul and spirit that you never had experienced before. And then, and then you begin to share it with somebody in your life. And there's the ripple effect. And it's just what God is doing in your life today. You see, the only way that we stop sharing your faith, the only way you stop sharing your faith and stop evangelizing, so to speak, around you is if you just stop being who you are. If you hide who you are. The only way that we stop uh, letting people know who God is and, and how he's alive and how he's working in our lives and how faith makes all the difference, it's something small but it's become something big, is if, you really, is if who you really are is hidden from the people around you. You see, we're called, we're called to make a ripple effect, to have a ripple effect on, on our spheres of influence, beginning with faith. Here's this man, Abraham. Every great world religion claims him in some way, right? Here's a man who became the father of nations, who was, who was 75 when the promise was given and 100 when the promise was fulfilled. Hey, I'm finally a daddy. I'm 100 years old. All right. Let's go mountain biking, right? <laughs> Sometimes you have to believe it and apply it. Watch it grow and just share it with the people around you and watch the ripple effect. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, how we thank you for this simple meal, this, this small, simple meal. We receive it today as a seed. We know that what happened in Abraham's life was that he believed you on the basis of a promise he didn't even know how it was going to be fulfilled. You cut that covenant with him right there. On that mountain, you, you cut that covenant and you yourself walk between the pieces. He took a bird and a lamb. He took these, these simple animals that were part of his, his everyday life for meals that were coming in the next week. He divided them and you alone passed through them signifying that you would be the one who would pay the price on the cross. And so today, Lord, we, we honor you and we thank you 
for this simple meal before us. May it become like a seed of faith in our life, like that wellspring that wells up to fullness within us that spills over all the way out into the lives of the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.